Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by Lindsay Mack. Y'all, it's another monthly med. It's monthly medicine time, and I'm so excited to be with all of you. December is around the corner. I love these episodes. I love the clarity they bring me, because I would not know probably what was going on without really drilling down and um, inquiring. So it's a treat to offer this. It's a treat to receive it. (laughs) True six of pentacles medicine, real exchange. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be here with all of you. Um, uh, today is going to be a monthly medicine episode. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, monthly medicines are when I offer a channeled forecast about the month ahead involving, uh, again, channeled medicine from my guides and my my intuition, um, mixed in with, uh, some light astrology and, uh, of course the tarot. So there's uh, a lot of goodness to be gained with this because we're not only going to go over monthly medicine, but we're going to talk quite a bit about, um, 2019, which we're going to go into even more detail at the next monthly medicine, because we're going to talk all about, um, emperor, empress, and maybe even have it its own, um, or the emperor, the empress, <laughs> sorry, hangman empress, which are going to be the two cards for 2019. Um, 2018 is a justice high priestess year. So, uh, I, I may even do my own, its own episode for the frequencies of those two cards and how they're going to show up for us. But, um, yeah, the next two monthly medicines will be really juicy. But before I get to that, I want to make a couple of podcast-centered announcements that I think everyone's will be interested in. So as everyone probably knows who's listening to this, uh, we haven't had a big burst of listenership, so it's the same amazing folks. Uh, I've been on break, and it's been really important. Um, a part of the reason for the break was like legitimately needing to hold space for the folks in my course. Um, we had such insane turnout that it was, uh, like just a lot to, and it wasn't just the turnout. It was like the expansion of the turnout and, um, all different kinds of things. So it was, uh, really important for me to go more deeply within. And I'm like a full-time working gal. So I had readings at the same time. So it was just a little bit too much, um, for me to, like, I didn't have quite enough to be of service in this way. And so now I do. And it feels great to be back. And I feel like I actually have things to say now, which feels nice. And um, so the break is over, though. And the podcast is coming back after this episode, which is, uh, I think, people will hopefully be very excited about. And um, there are going to be some very subtle changes. And the journey of those changes has been interesting. Like, I've kind of just been having, like, an ear out to, to divine on this one. Like, there was a little while where I thought this podcast was ending. And a new one was going to come forward in its place. And then the more I worked on the new one, the more it was like really clear to me that it was basically the same (laughs) thing as Tara for the Wild Soul. It was just slightly different and um, that I could permission myself to kind of shift this one uh, to really honor the changes that the evolutions really that wanted to take place. It was like very clear that the podcast wanted to keep breathing and growing Um, so we're back with a slightly different episode lineup. So, um, prior to the break, we were doing, I was doing, I shouldn't say we, um, a monthly medicine 
two interviews and a lesson and um, sometimes an Ask a Tarot reader in there. So uh, two really big things are changing. The first is that there's going to be on the second week of every month an Ask Lindsay episode where the episode will be centered around some of the topics that are brought up in uh, the questions that you listeners will ask me. So I'm deciding to do a weekly or a monthly Ask Lindsay because um, I feel like it's one of the best ways that I can serve you directly if you're asking questions and if we're not just doing it kind of every once in a while with an Ask a Tarot reader. Um, I'd love to be of service in that way. And I also think structuring episodes around those questions is really beautiful. And as everyone knows, we've been doing that for a bit with the Ask a Tarot Reader, but um, I think Ask Lindsay will make it a more regular uh, form of service and of answering questions and of helping. And another thing that we're going to do is we're going to start every episode with a card pull for the week ahead. So it'll kind of be like a little reading for the collective just getting started. Obviously the, the, um, only time we won't do that is monthly medicine. So we won't do that today, but we will do that next week. And it'll give us a chance to talk about other cards and see how they feel for us. And um, so Ask Lindsay's are going to be new and they're going to be a regular thing. And sometimes tarot readers might join me. And most of the time it'll just be me. Um, the lessons will stay the same and will continue to be hopefully nourishing and nutritive to anyone who's interested in them. And um, the interviews are going to be the second part that are really changing. So we're going down from two interviews to one per month. And I am no longer going to be just focusing on speaking with readers, um, deck makers, authors, and creators of tarot. Um, there are two reasons for this. The first is that I'm just um, hungry for something different. And although it's been really beautiful to get to chat with all these people and um, introduce all these people to some folks who didn't know them and whatever, um, and that has been a dream and an honor, the conversations have been a bit repetitive for me. So I'm excited to get to expand and talk to some different people. And um, because it is, this is a podcast about tarot, um, it is important to me that we start to expand from talking to folks who make and work with tarot to talking to people who in their own organic individual way embody the medicine of the tarot. So that is what our interviews are going to be focused on. And what I mean by that is rather than having a tarot reader on to talk about the death card, um, what we may have on this podcast is a death doula come on to talk about the death card. Or we might talk with someone who is working through chronic illness or terminal illness or who actively works with some aspect of themselves or their lives that's about clearing in some way. Because, of course, the death card is not, not always about human death. And we may have, you know, or I have a guest coming up in the next few weeks who um, does so much with ritual ceremony with women. Um, and we're going to talk about how this person actively works with three of cups and how we all can do that. And so what I am interested in with this, um, kind of luminary interview every month is starting with a lesson about the tarot card that we're going to talk about, and then weaving that tarot card in to a conversation with people from all walks of life, some of whom do work with tarot and have a root system with tarot and some who have nothing to do with tarot at all. And I think that's important because um, 
it's really crucial as we keep learning tarot to take it out of the realm of the kind of like intellectualizing and the theoretical into the embodied. And that's really what we're going for. So I know that some people might feel some big feelings about the fact that we're not going to be interviewing. I keep saying we, but I guess it's correct. It's me, spirit, my husband, the engineer. Uh, we are not going to be interviewing, um, like deck makers, deck workers, et cetera. And, um, and I can also understand that there might be some people who might think like you have a tarot podcast, you have a platform, like, why wouldn't you use it to talk to these people? I completely understand that. And I've done it for a year and a half and now it's time to do something different. And if, and by the way, if you're feeling disappointment or contraction about that, the first thing I would invite you to do is to be willing to consider that this could actually be really, um, these shifts in the podcast could really be something very powerful that could teach you more than you ever imagined about the tarot. Um, getting to speak with doctors, nurses, like death doulas, birth doulas, whomever, people not in the healthcare industry, <laughs> um, like anyone, engineers, like everybody out there embodies the essence of certain tarot cards. And I am really interested in letting this podcast be about talking about how we relate to these cards in everyday life versus, um, you know, chatting with folks about, um, their journey as tarot readers, which is so beautiful. It's just not what I'm hearing to do anymore. So I'm, you know, really excited to share this kind of new flavor with all of you. Um, cause it will really be different. There might be some readers on, but probably not a lot. And, um, the other thing that I would say is like, you should talk to people. If you want to have that kind of content out there, 100% be that person who goes out and starts your own podcast where you are um, giving voice to other tarot readers. And by the way, there are also a shitload of amazing tarot podcasts out there who are giving voice to beautiful readers from all walks and from all backgrounds. And like, it's happening out there. It's just probably not going to be happening on this podcast. So those are the big changes. And as far as the tagline change, becoming a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth. Um, as many of you know, um, I uh, got diagnosed with a brain condition, a very serious one in December of last year. <clears throat> um, and this brain condition is very funny and I'm choosing not to mention the name because it's a heavy name and I'd rather not share it. What I can say is that it's not cancer. So um, it completely changed my world. It completely flipped my life upside down um, in both spectacularly awesome ways and really painful, hard, frightening ways. There has been a lot of life, death, life cycles for me and a lot of work around bowing to death and a lot of work around, um, potentially like wanting to be okay with things if I did die. And weirdly, even though I think other people might feel differently, um, I don't feel that this podcast has really matched my inner journey. It's been about kind of like keeping things the same because I started this podcast in August of 2017. And then by the time December rolled around, it was like I was in utter chaos and didn't really feel comfortable because I'm like a Scorpio dominant, like really private person. Actually, it takes me a really long time to like reveal things because I have to process them on my own in my cave 
And I don't know, hermit's my life card. Like it just is what it is. There's, there's nothing I can do to change. I've always been that way. So it's taken me a little while to kind of realize that the podcast wanted to come with me and that I wanted to be um, sharing with all of you part of the why of it. And I'm really interested in talking to people who are um, walking through these thresholds, living the medicine of these cards, because my, you know, at the beginning of this time last year, like, I was still kind of giving readings that were really rooted in some intuitive forecasting, like a little bit of like what's going to happen because I'm an intuitive. And once I got my diagnosis, I was plunged into um, what happens when you have a burning need to know something, but there's no answer for you. And um, that changed my life and really taught me how to even further deepen my knowing of the tarot as a tool about embodiment, not about knowing something that is to come, and how to take refuge in the wildly difficult moments of life. Um, and that is what I desire this podcast to really be about, to go truly to a level that it can provide medicine and uh, tools to take refuge in the moments of life that feel unbearable that feel really hard, that feel really intense. Um, and uh, that was really informed from my journey of this year and is still being informed from that because it's like, I don't know, once you have a brain condition, like you have a brain condition. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the crux of it all. <laughs> I think that it's important to be honest and to be really clear about the why of this because it's not just because I got bored. It's because I like died um, and came back to life again and now ha just have different things to say. Um, so thanks for being here. And, you know, of course, like as always, like it's a free podcast and it's no big shakes if it doesn't resonate with you. Like you, you know, you can stop listening, but I'm excited to serve anyone who wants to go a little further with this. Um, and like, uh, I want to make something really clear as a boundary. Um, I'm definitely not available for, um, like Reiki and prayers and comments about anything that I've shared in terms of like, uh, your opinions about, um, my health and my choices. Um, it's just something that if you have an opinion about it, I invite you to keep it to yourself. Um, one of the most important things like Karina Rosella and I talked about this on my interview with her, like people who experience physical, um, chronic illness who have, you know, um, they didn't manifest that. There's nothing that they did wrong. There's no imbalance. People get sick all the time. Children get sick. Um, this is not about me needing to be rebalanced, um, or anything being wrong with me. This is just about me being alive and experiencing what it is that I'm being invited to experience. And, um, I invite you to allow that to wash over you rather than needing to um, reach out and project onto uh, what I've shared. So um, that is a strong boundary, but it is one that I will ask for um, over the course of time as, you know, 
my guests share, as I share, just allow it to be something that you take in. And, um, of course, I'm so down for well wishes, but um, I don't need anything from anyone. And that's not uh, saying that I, I'm too proud to accept, but it really is just that uh, the more we share about this stuff, let's be okay with just being in the uncomfortable and being with the um, inevitabilities of life that we do get sick, we do die, we do move through these changes and that it's okay. So hopefully that makes sense. But yeah, that was a long ass way of saying that shit's changing. <laughs> and I'm really excited to go deeper with all of you and, and walk you through what it is to like um, a shift in offering that's been very popular and that is working, but it doesn't align with us and what it is to live with chronic illness and what it is to live with chronic pain and what it is to accept beauty in spite of this shit we go through while being alive. So I'm excited to begin to shift looking at the cards from that perspective. So on to monthly medicine. Um, okay. This is a very, 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 I'll say very again, <laughs> very complex month energetically. I'm putting my glasses on so I can see what I've written. Um, it's a very complex month energetically. The medicine of December is very multifaceted. Um, the phrase that came through uh, spirit was very clear that it required some explaining so to, that it could be really clear kind of what it was and what it was doing. And um, there's also a lot of uh, crucialness to the medicine of this month because the energy is changing so profoundly from 2018 to 2019, and we're already kind of feeling that. We're already kind of collectively feeling that. So the first thing that I, and we're also going to be talking about temperance because temperance is a big part of this. So <clears throat> what we have kind of at the top, we're in December. For those of us in the northern part of the hemisphere, we're in deep winter. We're getting ready. We're preparing for the winter solstice that's coming up on December 20th. I think actually December 21st. Let me get my shit together. Yep, December 21st. And um, as those of us on the southern hemisphere going through the summer solstice. So there's a very powerful duality happening right now. And of course, our planet Earth is the best at kind of blending duels and creating fusion. Because if this planet Earth can hold deep, cold winter and bright, beautiful summer, I mean, the solstices like are the most powerful point, um, like truly in the year. Um, and spring and fall equinoxes are, are pretty close, but the solstices are really powerful because both have to do with light and both have to do with the energy of honoring what's present and looking toward what's coming. So solstices kind of energetically teach us about the art of intuitive presence, wise presence, that we can be in what is in the now while also holding space for what is to come. Just holding that space, not from a place of franticness or panic, but, you know, in the summer solstice, which is going to happen for our folks up in the Southern Hemisphere, um, we honor the longest day of the year. We honor that this is a time that the sun is shining more brightly for the more hours in a day than any other day of the year. And 
not only are we honoring the presence of the light, all that it's illuminating and bringing forward, but we are also bowing and holding a space for the dark. Because from that bright, beautiful day, days are only going to get shorter. They're only going to get a little bit less light, a little bit less lit lit up. And the opposite is true for us in the Northern Hemisphere right now. And this has everything to do with kind of the medicine of December. So for those of us in the winter, you know, in the Northern uh, part of the earth, the winter solstice is a day that is the shortest. And it's the day with the most darkness. And it is also known as Yule for those of you who um, honor that and observe that. <clears throat> and Yule is a very powerful uh, portal essentially that we walk into where we are spending a lot more time looking within, where we're honoring um, the space for rest, for more nurturance, um, for more coziness, to be inside a little bit more, to go within a little bit more. This is us kind of going inward like the bear does into its cave in hibernation. And, um, and yet, while we are bowing to the shortest day of the year, honoring kind of the inky, beautiful um, space of night that comes forward in the winter solstice and during the winter, we are holding a space for the light. Because from Yule, the days are only going to get longer. We can't go shorter than we do in Yule. There's a peak that we hit. And even though we can't see it, the days keep lengthening. And this is what we call like this is what I refer to when I say the sacred wheel. Like this is a part of the sacred, this is invisible magic that we plant seeds under the earth and all we see is dirt for months and weeks. And all of a sudden there's something happening. And that doesn't mean nothing's been happening. It just means that it's the first we can see of it. So honoring, letting the solstice be kind of a pinpoint um, this diversion into the medicine of winter, letting it kind of be the axis upon which this month falls or turns is really a very powerful place to focus on. This idea that we are really being called within, but in order to do that, we uh, or not even in order to do that, but kind of in order to do it well, in order to go within without fear or worry that we're going to miss something or that we should be doing more than what we are, we have to remember where the earth is. Like there is a duality here that we are holding within ourselves and both sides of the planet are doing it in two different ways. It's birth, death in the same yawn, in the same breath, in the same moment. So part of beginning this is to say that the, the monthly medicine for December, um, the phrase of it is the cocoon. And this was a phrase that came forward after many kind of ephemeral ideas came through. And the cocoon seemed to be the thing that was the most resonant for me um, in my channel um, that I heard from Spirit. And I just would like to begin by actually like reading aloud to y'all some of the um, actual definitions of this from the dictionary. So the first definition of a cocoon is a covering of silky threads that the larvae of moths and other insects make for themselves before they grow into adults. So that idea of having it be silky, the soft, flexible thread, 
that is woven literally from our bodies that keeps us in a container of safety while we transition from one thing into another, from one state of being into another. Animals show us how this takes place for us as human beings in an invisible manner, which is very powerful. Um, Another way a cocoon is defined is if you are in a cocoon of something, being wrapped up in it or surrounded by it. So something that we can wrap around ourselves. If we're living in a cocoon, we're in an environment in which we feel protected and safe or isolated. That's also very important. So that's kind of the paraphrasing of different pieces of the, uh, (laughs) of the way we can look at cocoon. We can also look at it as the shell that protects a seed. Um, we can look at it as, um, the placenta that protects the baby. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of ways to begin to, um, consider this idea of cocooning and the medicine of that is what we are going to be focused on this month, creating that cocoon for ourselves so that we can be prepared to walk into the new year ready. There are a couple of ingredients to this idea of cocooning. Cocooning does not mean that we don't go out into the world and do our work. Cocooning doesn't mean we don't speak up or that we don't share. Cocooning, the cocoon, is kind of an energetic state of being in which we're walking into a sense of of, of kind of like felt shelter and structure that's holding our being within itself so that we can do work inside of it, so that we can grow and channel and change and flow. And most of our tarot cards for the month really reflect this. Um, Why the cocoon? You know, I mentioned that December is a very complex month in terms of its medicine. The why of it um, is because in general, December is a bridge month. Last year in monthly medicine, it was called the bridge. Um, And this is still kind of a theme. You know, anytime we're in a year, we're working with the energy of that year, um, numerologically, et cetera. So we're getting ready to clear out the 11 year that we've been in, and we're getting ready to transition into 12. So if there's been any areas in which we've not fully been embodying what we came to do, the lessons we came here to, you know, uh, really learn or what we came to release, we are going to be invited to do our work on that, period. We are going to be invited to step into a new space with that. So it's, it kind of intensifies and brings us from one part of the um, cliff to the other part of the cliff. And December kind of builds that bridge. Um, And that's an, a metaphorical idea for it. We don't always build, we don't always walk across something, but there is a transition that occurs in December that's very private and very internal and very magical and one that we might have a hard time verbalizing. So we need this cocoon to help us do that work because this is a highly internal year. This is a justice year and a high priestess year. This is a year about shifting, rebalancing, realigning, engaging with reality, what was within us or in our lives that we weren't able to face, we've been asked to face this year, big time. And that is not necessarily going to be tapering off, but our attention will be placed kind of in a different way because um, 
hangman and empress are so different. So this year has really been about listening to our inner knowing and walking through the intensity and the fire of this um, it, profound invitation to evolve through justice and high priestess. And that's really powerful, really fucking intense. So December wants us to hurry up not hurry, but actually that's like the opposite of what we want to do, but it really wants to double down on us so that we don't leave the year with, um, threads that haven't been tied together. So December in general guides us from one state of being to another, and we're going to shift just in 31 days to the energy of 11, to the energy of 12. So in doing so, it's an enormous adjustment and it's one that all of us will feel 11 is a number, is a master number. It is the number of the bridge. It's the number of synchronicities. It's the number of connections. It's also balance. It looks like kind of a two for a reason. We see one and one. So it's kind of a guiding force to bring us inside. And that has really been what we've been fighting against for most of 2018. Like we haven't wanted to go within. We've wanted to go without. And that's been um, a powerful lesson for all of us. Like what is the energetic balance between going out with our voices, out with our action and in with our work. So uh, some of us, it's wildly imbalanced where it's all external and it's all performative. And some of us have struggled to bring our inner work out. And some of us have kind of cleared an old pattern of feeling shame for being one way or another. Some of us are meant to live out, out, out. Some of us are meant to be way more within. So kind of honoring that alignment has been the focus of this year. Now moving into 12 is really different because 12 is a number of completion. 12 is the energy of multiple, 12 holds within it the energy of multiple different things. 12 is a threshold number before we skip off into 13. And ironically, 2020 will not be a 13 number. It will be four, but, um, we can hold in our minds, this essence of being in 2019 as being a 12 energy. So this idea of completion, we're finishing something, 12 steps, 12 hours in a day. Like we're, it's very much a part of our souls knowing that once we reach 12, we get to finish something. And this is very connected to why December is the cocoon, which I'll talk about in a moment. But, um, yeah, 12 is, um, about completion. It's about structure, building from scratch, and it's a chance to essentially begin completely over again and shedding the old forms that we have been in order to move into what we're about to become. And in order to do that, we can't um, skip out on any parts of high priestess or justice or strength. We can't skip out on listening to that inner knowing and valuing others over ourselves. That's done. We cannot skip out on looking at the stuff in life that we kind of don't really want to look at, or we want to bypass, um, that we have to acknowledge before we can change it. We can't skip out on, um, tenderly caring for the places within us from a place of, uh, courage and strength and, and, um, at the very least undefendedness of heart. That's really like what the year is all about. Um, and that's been 11, that's been 2018. And now we're coming into a place where 
we're preparing to very rapidly expand in 2019 and call in new and better things. The only way we can do that is to be clear about what's here. So the idea of being in a cocoon, um, in order to do the last pieces of inner work that 2018 is asking of us, we kind of have to build this little shelter, this little refuge. It's not to keep the world out. It's actually to bring ourselves more uh, intimately within. And um, this is really important in a couple different ways. Uh, the first is that December is a month where we might really want some answers. I feel like that never changes, right? Like we always want that, but December, no, okay, actually, I was going to say November, but it was re it's really Scorpio season. Scorpio season this year has deeply been true to its name and has provided the, the um, perfect conditions for true, like tangible, literal death cycles. I feel like more than in recent years past, I've really observed the people in my life, myself, deeply being um, uh, like committed to clearing or grieving things that have ended during Scorpio season or whatever. And to anyone listening, who's kind of like feeling contracted, like death is not the promise or the end of anything that, um, we still have work to do, or we, we love, or we cherish. It's not here to like fuck us over. It's really here to just be the teacher about what's right, what we're ready to let go of, what form is ready to be released. And how might that form be, um, transitioning into a new way of existing and being. So Scorpio season was really that for most of us was this like intense letting go. And so now in December, where we find ourselves is a very uncomfortable position. Those things are gone, but the new things, what's actually coming to fill that void is either not here or is utterly unclear as to how it's going to show up um, expand, manifest itself. And that is A, why we need the cocoon and B, what temperance is for. So that middle space of not being able to go back, but not knowing what lies ahead is a very specific state of being and one we're being asked to really hang out in. This will require some really intelligent, uh, decision-making this is the kind of thing we want to really practice our sacred pausing. It's not just about pausing and not taking action. It's about sacred pausing, bringing high vibrational intention to us saying, if I don't have an answer, if an answer isn't in front of me, or if I don't know, then there is no answer right now. So that means there's nothing for me to do. Great. I'll go back to what I'm doing in this moment no need to rush, no need to hurry anything. It's um, hard. It's not easy, of course, because it goes against like all of our programming as people. But this is why we call upon the cocoon, because it's not about what the next step is in externally. It's about who we are becoming to allow those next external steps to find us. We forget that, that we have to grow, evolve, change, shed to meet with those things, to meet with the, the desires, the destinies, the dreams that we have, to be able to really be available to do the work that we 
we're called to this fucking planet to do. And this sounds really like out there and esoteric, and it's not. It's very, very practical. The more we are present, turning our eyes on ourselves, keeping our eyes on our own paper, not trying to rush life, not trying to negate reality, the happier, the more nourished, the more abundant, and the more ready for what we actually want we will be when it comes. So the cocoon, the cocoon is an energetic space that is wanting to bloom open within us so that we can do the internal work that we need to do in the month ahead in a way that feels safe, that feels practical, and in a way that actually begets us meeting with the next steps of our external life. So in a way, it is a kind of invisible bridge and one that is only taking place inside of us. It's a space of nourishment, of protection, a space we can return to every time we get a little bit wigged out and we think like, oh fuck, like I don't have an answer from this person. I don't know what I'm going to do. If you don't know what you're going to do, you're not supposed to know what you're going to do. And that might change in an hour, might change in two minutes, or it might be another like three months before you know. And that doesn't mean you're going to be screwed. That just means that you don't have an answer at that moment to that particular question. And the cocoon will bring us within so that we can start having a lot more juiciness and spice and flavor and friendliness and intimacy with ourselves so that when these pieces can come in, we're available for them. Might even be that the more we're in the cocoon, the more what we want changes, which is really powerful. So don't be afraid to not give people an answer this month. If you don't have an answer for them, that's okay. You don't have to have an answer. If you're making someone else uncomfortable because you don't have an answer for them or you're not sure, it's okay. They can be uncomfortable. Discomfort is not a bad thing. And if they're making it about you, they have free will to not engage with you. So it's okay. If you're not getting an answer from someone, do your work. Trust that they're in their cocoon and you're meant to be in yours. Trust that you'll come together in the external world when both of you are at the state of adults, at the state of highest maturation where you're ready to meet one another. Trust that if you don't quite know, you might be growing to meet the moment. And that's so beautiful. This is the beginning of Hangman, which is coming through uh, very strongly this year um, in 2019 because of 12. Um, surrender, releasing the shell. The hangman prepares us for death. It prepares us. It brings us through the process of like, um, anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. It brings us through the egoic shriek so that we can get to the peace that lies within so that we can hold all the holograms and all the holographic natures of what it is to let go of life as we need it to be and be open to the mystery. So this idea of Hangman being the card for 2019 is amazing. This is like Neptune vibes, man. It's seeing things in a different way. It's being open to more, um, to a different way of being. One that might turn us around a little bit, might the one that might take us really deeply before it takes us back to the surface. Um, what temperance has to do with all this. So the sun is in Sagittarius at the recording of this podcast. And that's a beautiful thing. We're officially out of Scorpio season. We're into Sagittarius. And uh, uh, temperance is the 14th card 
in the tarot, in the major arcana, ruled by Sagittarius. So we look to that for the next, you know, 20 or so days as being our touchstone in the flow of this month of Sagittarius season. Temperance comes from the Latin word tempor, which means time. It's about slowness. So it's really important to remember that temperance um, can take time. It can be a little bit unclear. It's a period, uh, temperances of internal integration, one that can unlock mysteries and the unknown and a deeper connection with spirit and our intuition within us. And it is the card that uh, comes after death. So we've got kind of this powerful trinity going on where um, we're kind of in death still because we're getting ready to transition out of the year. So there's kind of like um, piece of death energy in this time. We're kind of completing a death cycle. Um, and the energy that we're in is all about rebirth. It's all about taking what has gone and rebuilding from a new, completely new space. We might not feel like, quote, in a new space right now. <laughs> we may not feel that sense that we're imagining it should feel like, but I encourage you to trust that you're here, whether you feel like you are or not. Um, there really is opportunity for kind of the new in every moment. So just really being with that is powerful. And then of course, we're getting, we're preparing to kind of go backward into 12, into hangman. So we're sort of in this trio of life, death, life here, um, which is really potent. And I'm sure most of us can feel. And, um, the temperance card is a card of embodiment and it's a card of continued long, um, it's a process of understanding and of embodiment. Um, and it really moves slowly for a very good reason. It takes time to connect with the embodiment of such a high energy, um, walking from kind of the, the life we knew previously to the one we're about to go into. Um, it's a card that opens us from the, um, simplicity and kind of the one note nature of being a creature unto ourselves, um, sometimes working against the universe by kind of saying like, oh, I know what to do. I know, I, you know, I got to figure it out. I got to control it. I got to do this. Temperance says to us, well, nothing that you've tried to do in this way has worked. And you may have noticed that there are some areas where you've been kind of banging your head against the wall trying to make something happen. It hasn't been happening. So temperance is an opening in us to working with higher energies. It's basically, to put it quite simply, recognizing, oh, wow, I don't have an answer to this. So I'm going to give it up to spirit. I'm going to give it up to divine. I'm going to give it up to the universe and basically say, like, I don't know what to do. This is not clear. Help me, spirit, please, to be present while I know more information. Or really, really delivering something that has been a very hard place for us up to spirit to be able to be like, well, I trust that it'll come forward in the way that it wants to, and I'm open to do that. Now, this isn't necessarily to say like, oh yeah, give up all your control, give it all to spirit. This is coming up around things that we've tried to do um, this is the journey of line two in the majors. It's actually the what gets cracked open in us. We learn to differentiate between kind of us being sovereign, wanting everything to go our way. We're kind of more powerful than mystery. Making space for mystery is what card two is all about. So the cocoon kind of has everything to do with temperance a little bit. 
because it does have to do with making space for mystery. The cocoon is a space that is built from what we're made of, that is soft and malleable, that um, is beautiful, that provides shelter and refuge and nourishment and a space for growth while we're in the midst of changing from one form of ourselves to another. So however that looks to you, whether it's like literally holding yourself up for the month and really going within, taking a sabbatical, or just energetically beginning to build this idea of the inner cocoon so that the last pieces of what you're ready to grow can grow, can do so in a space of safety where you're not rushing anything. You know, again, we talked about at the beginning of this episode, like we know we can't go backward. We know we can't. All of the structures that worked last year and this year, for many of us, a lot of those structures don't work anymore. And by the way, when I say, quote, don't work anymore, that doesn't mean they don't work. For many of us, these old structures did work. They made us some money. They got us like a little bit of attention. They made us, you know, they they brought us something good. It wasn't all bad. Of course not. But the whole point is that we're being opened, dilated for something better, for something greater, for something even more aligned than what we could imagine. And in order not to stick our hand in a pot where it doesn't belong, in order not to make decisions from fear, in order to not rush this process, the cocoon is calling us back home. The cocoon is like the inner cave. It's a space where we can reconnect with ourselves. You know, we're so obsessed with going out, getting answers, being clear. And I get it. I'm not here to judge that. I do the same thing. It's like why I'm talking about this shit. (laughs) It really is like a space of deep need for security. Like what are we going to do? How will we know? Will we have love? Will we have money? You know, we are always taken care of, whether that is really threadbare or whether it's coming in a form that we hadn't imagined, there is always space for shelter. So having there be this kind of resetting of the foundation is really important. So coming to that is really crucial and the cocoon can help. Um, This is about inner fortification so that we can do the work that we're ready to do out in the world more effectively. So we can't go back to what we knew. We can only go forward But what is forward is unclear to most of us as of now. And that's exactly how it should be. It's because we're in the dark of our cocoon. You've been in it and you haven't even known it. And we keep trying to rip ourselves out of it. But it's a tender, warm, sweet spot where we get to do our work to prepare to meet the external. Trust these changes. Trust the void. Trust that you're not meant to know right now. It's okay not comfortable, but it's totally okay. It doesn't mean you've missed something and it doesn't mean other people are further. Most of us are going through this, whether we're in good state, bad state, tough state, great state, there's still an utter lack of known happening with most of us right now. And A, that's perfect. And B, it's partially because there isn't anything to know right now. We are birthing our future in every moment we choose to be present. And right now, the presence is within that cocooned space. 
So really allowing that to be something that we work with, that image going back inside. Every time we feel like we kind of want to panic, we're, you know, we're going back to our old habits of like, quote, making things happen or just throwing another thing on the fire so that um, we are like, we have something to do. We don't need that. We don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to make that effort for ourselves in order to keep ourselves from the beauty of mystery. So often we do that, right? Like mystery feels so uncomfortable that we throw ourselves into chaos or just even into boring bullshit, like the same patterns over and over because it's more comfortable than what we don't know. We can change that. We can change that by going into the cocoon. So our Wild Soul Collective Tarot reading for the month ahead, the medicine of the month, the the piece that's going to help us understand the why of the cocoon, that's actually going to provide the medicine that can help us transition from one state of being into another, is Page of Cups reversed. Page of Cups is the sacred holy seat of the imagination that is often so uh, bright in many children. Um, not all children, but most of them. Um, it's a space of profound play of imagination, of being open to the unseen, of kind of letting that space of imagination allow us to kind of dance with divine. And it's a space that most adults um, do not value as being one that, of importance. Um, in fact, like this is like a metaphor that I've used many times, but if you're familiar with the movie Hook with Robin Williams, Peter Banning is like the ultimate example of the Page of Cups reversed. He has forgotten what it is to be a lost boy. He's forgotten. He's Peter Pan. He's forgotten. And, um, it is affecting every part of his life, even though there are all these invitations from his children, from his wife, from, from life. He can't quite meet them because he's forgotten. And he has to go on a kind of an inner journey. He has to go back home in order to remember. And then he brings those gifts back to his family. So the movie Hook is actually an amazing example of embodiment as to how we can go through the Page of Cups reversed back out of it. Sometimes this card requires a, a coming home of sorts. Like, who were we? What did we leave behind? What were we able to do before we forgot? And this doesn't have to do with trauma. It's not about going back into old memories and shocking ourselves. This is actually about profound play and gentleness that may bring up feelings of grief, might bring up big feelings, but um, in all of our business and in all of our seriousness, we've kind of forgotten to hold a space at the fire for the wild, alighted, magical parts of ourselves to be a really important part of the inner system. Like we need that. We have to have it. It's like um, for anyone listening to this who who is lucky enough, who's blessed to make their career in magical service of some way. Um, I often find, I've found for myself over the last few years, like sometimes like I'm hustling so hard to like create rituals for things that like I'm too tired to do my own. <laughs> so it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like that. It's like, how can there be a rebalancing of our space of magic versus what we're feeding out into the world? And if we have lost touch with the imagination, with the play, um, with the joy or with the sorrow 
or with whatever sparks our our page of cups alight, um, coming back home to it is part of the why of the cocoon because, um, you know, we're so quick to like dismiss the importance of the inner child. The inner child is not only the first child that we reparent, we caretake, we nurture, but is also like the original marriage and is also the seat of most of the things that we do. And when the inner child is not seen, is not nourished, is not fed, it tends to come out into the world as a very angry, needy uh, part of ourselves that's kind of unavailable to be rational sometimes, or it might end relationships for us <laughs> because it's not sure how it feels about things. And it might be so scared that we can't really function. And sometimes it requires uh different assistance, but a lot of the time going back home to the inner kid and really letting there be a space for playing and for imagining and for remembering how our inner child imagined. Um, sometimes I do like look back and remember like the hours that I could fart away as a kid, just daydreaming and play pretending and like totally, you know, going into other realms. And sometimes those realms weren't like so mystical, like they were centered around movies or they were centered around like, um, you know, whatever, like being a pirate princess or whatever it might be. Like it was just the spaciousness that I longed for and lived embodied as a, as a child, even as a traumatized kid was very, very, uh, is very striking because I didn't, wasn't always that great at playing. I could play, but like, uh, I could really like go away and like, you know, I guess dissociate, but <laughs> in a way that I have memory of being very joyful, you know? Um, so yeah, like coming back to that space, like what lights you up? What makes you feel connected to that, to your little one? Because the little one wants to come with us in our deep work. We tend to think to do the deep work, the little one's got to go off in a box somewhere. And it's not true. It's the opposite. The little one actually is the one that we want to co-create our life with and keep them feeling nourished and happy and, and, um, really alive within the self. So what parts of our connection to magic do we need to restore? What parts do we need to take back? Perhaps what time do we need to make to reconnect with the, with, and like, there may be people listening to this who might be like completely dismissing it. It's like, Oh, whatever. Like I do in our child work. If you're having that response to it, this is for you more than most people because this is really the space that we think we can skip or we're like, oh, whatever, like I'll deal with it or, you know, whatever. It, it really takes time. It's like having a child, like making time for that child is really important. So what's underneath that energy is six of swords reversed. So the, uh, the way that we can kind of create foundations under the work we're going to do in page of cups reversed is by looking at page of swords reversed. And this is all about support. When we are in Six of Swords reversed, we may be unable to see the forest for the trees. We may be unable to understand what's kind of coming. And we know that that's true because we've totally covered that. Like Six of Swords reversed has been in, kind of sprinkled through this whole monthly medicine. It really is a space where we can kind of only see the trees. Now, 
Part of the beauty of Six of Swords and any six is about interconnectivity. We have someone supporting another person in the six, or we we are supporting another person in the six. It's really about the connection between one and two. Um, so the what's underneath Page of Cups reversed, in order to brighten, strengthen, and fortify that inner kindling, that inner magic, that inner imagination, that space of fun and play, um, and of daydreaming and of actually letting ourselves reconnect to those spaces that don't have to do with the bottom line. What we actually need to do that is objectivity. We need support. We need to be able to trust that that's okay. So let that support begin right now with this podcast, because I am going to verbally tell everyone listening You have permission to not know what's going to happen. It doesn't mean that you don't, you aren't going to be okay. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to be nourished and it doesn't mean you're not going to have love and everything that you want. It may mean something better is coming in, something better that you might not have ever imagined that you've received. And it's totally okay to stoke and nurture and, um, enliven the child within. And it's okay to not know where you're going. It's really okay. Having the support around you to fortify that, to remind you that you're safe, to remind you of what you've cleared, to remind you of where you're going, even if you can't see it, is of the utmost importance this year. So you don't have to reparent your inner child alone. You don't have to reparent that tender part of you or go into that tender part of you or look at the why of why you haven't had that space alone. Reaching out to community is essential and having people to dialogue with is essential. Um, Open your heart to it. Temperance is a very powerful energy and we're rocking in it this month. Like be open to it. Ask for what you want. It'll come through to you. The gentle message from divine is four of pentacles. And again, that is an energy that Four of Pentacles, whenever we're in a four, it's a structure that's created so that we can do the work that is, uh, so we can take our space and so that we can practice boundaries. And we do that so we can get closer to the body. We can get closer to the inner part of ourselves. So sometimes in Four of Pentacles, we take, like, we are celibate. Sometimes in Four of Pentacles, we are like actively in a relationship, but we're not engaging with them physically. And sometimes it's distance from certain friends or certain folks, whatever it is, it's really allowing ourselves to quote, take that space from whatever might be calling out for too much of us so that we can rebuild in that cocoon. And so divine is essentially communicating to us, like give yourself permission to go within and take that space and BT dubs this cocoon. Not everyone is invited and it doesn't mean you don't love them. And it doesn't mean you don't enjoy them. Follow your heart. Listen to the inner part of yourself who doesn't feel like they have a space in your cocoon. If you feel that way, don't fucking sweat it at all. It doesn't mean anything. It could be your partner. That doesn't necessarily mean that your holy partner will have a place in your cocoon at this time. Just don't sweat that. So the message from divine is essentially create the structure so you can reconnect to the physical, to the body, 
to what you're made of inside without trying to find it outside of you. Really important. The lesson of the month, what we're learning is seven of swords. We have what we're looking for. We're already holding everything we need. We do not need to figure out how to get those two swords on the ground. Seven of swords is not a card of thievery and it's not a card of sneakiness. It's a card that reminds us that we have everything we need already in our hands. We don't need any more. We don't need to stock up. We don't need to save it for a rainy day. Sevens are about inner work. This is again, bringing us back into a space of deep inner work. Every ounce of us is going to want to figure out how we can get external shit going on. It's the opposite. It's all about preparing the internal space so that when we are ready, the external can present itself and we can rise to meet it. Do not, um, like I share, like I'm about to go into a year of creating a couple of different projects that are really, really big. And I have no idea at this moment right now how I'm going to pay my bills <laughs> because I, uh, how uh, these projects are going to come out into the world is not yet clear, uh, which is not a problem, by the way. It's just a part of it, um, of the timing of the preparation of all of it. Um, and I do know that because I don't know that, I can't open my books for readings right now. And I don't have any ideas for offerings at this time because I don't know what this larger offering, what it will require and what it will be. So I'm literally just hanging out in the unknown. And four of pentacles or seven of swords is very important because um, I'm using myself as an example that it I've had to fight um, and really bow to the impulses to just put something out there so that I feel safer, but I can't because then something could arise and I won't have enough space to actually honor it. Like once the projects actually let themselves be known to me about how they're going to be published and shared with the world, um, I, I'm not going to have, I may not have the space to do all of the things. So the pausing, that kind of sacred pausing is very important with seven of swords because the holder of the seven swords in seven of swords doesn't seem to be really aware that they're holding them or if they are, they're not really paying attention to the pain. And really the whole body of the person in the Smith Rider weight is moving forward, but the head is turned toward the two. And there's this kind of a split where the body knows to keep going. We have everything we can carry. We have everything we need. The mind though says, well, I got to pick up those two because they're here. And we tend to be that way, don't we? Like something's here. So we say yes to it because we think we should. We're breaking that paradigm and moving into a space of leaving a little room for the greater, for the more aligned, for the graceful to enter. And once we have clarity, then we can open our books. Then we can do whatever we need. Everyone's in this situation in one way or another, whether it's about our money or what have you. Be with what you have in your hands. Do the work on that. Ask yourself, why? And I can think of a lot of really good reasons, but it's important for you to do this exploration. Why would we want to open our hands to more if we already have everything we can carry? Probably because we're afraid that if we don't have more going on, there won't be anything and there won't be more swords along the way. And that's not true. So undoing those beliefs is very important. That's part of what we're doing in the cocoon too. 
the overall energy for the month of December is ruled by the moon card. That's the card that came forward. So the moon is the darkness before the dawn. It's ruled by Pisces. It takes us deeper into the emotions than any other card. And it really is a card that asks us to basically be cool with not knowing what the fuck is going on. That's the official definition <laughs> of the moon being cool in the face of not knowing what the fuck is going on. And that's it. In the next card, the sun will rise. We will have clarity. We will know what the fuck is going on. We may not feel great in the sun, but we're going to have answers. That we know. That much we do know. The moon card says, don't tire yourself out. Don't try to swim. Don't try to fumble around the room for the light. You will get hurt. Just be here. Because if we can get past the initial terror of not knowing what's going on, of being in the void essentially, then we can slip and sink into the mystical, into the beauty, into the, like, if there's nothing to do outside, then we must have a lot to do inside. And we tend to only visit the inside when we have to like heal or take care of something really intense or traumatic. What about just making regular visits to yourself because you like where you are living? Or making regular visits to a part of yourself, nurturing certain parts of yourself. Um, what fills up your inner child? What makes them feel happy to be alive? What made them feel happy to be alive when they were children, when you were a child? So it's all, we're looking at all of that. But if the moon is our overall energy, hanging out in the void and the unknown, waiting until we have more clarity is the best thing we can do for this month. And to honor and remember the medicine of the cocoon to not just be sitting in agony waiting for the sun to come up but to actually let it be like oh cool the moon's out uh, I can't see what's going on solstice is happening I can honor the dark while holding space for the light I can honor the light while holding space for the dark and while I'm waiting for what wants to come through I'm going to build a soft place to land that doesn't feel so fucking horrible all the time. I'm going to build out my inner realm so that I can be connected to Empress, which is the other card of 2019 and is 100% starting to pull on us a little bit. And Empress is one of those cards that some people really struggle with. I know I do too. She's really about, or they're really about abundance, about making things soft and beautiful versus difficult. It might be difficult, but how can it be beautiful while it's difficult? That's what we're asking ourselves. Whew. And that's basically what I have for you. You know, two really powerful things here. The astrology for the month, there's four kind of really um, big events and they're Two are happening on the same day and two are happening right next to each other. <laughs> so a lot of the energy is clustered, which, you know, again, is in keeping with this kind of idea of like slow and steady, not much going on, um, really pointing that energetic direction um, back to ourselves. Um, on December 6th, Mercury uh, goes direct. Mercury and Sagittarius goes direct, um, ending the last Mercury retrograde of 2018. Um we're not in this one for too, too long, which is, uh, a, you know, we're in it for the same number of weeks that we usually are. But um, then we go into our shadow period. And at the same, on the same day, December 6th, we have a new moon in Sagittarius. So there's a lot of really beautiful energy pointing us toward um, 
reviving, renewal, higher learning, teaching, greater wisdom, connecting more fully with temperance. Like this is the day to do that. If you really want to bring in, um, more, uh, temperance energy into your life, which is never a problem, um, really bringing that in. And then on December 21st, we move through the solstice. And on December 22nd, we have a full moon in cancer. So what I would say for that time is probably like really be gentle with yourselves. Um, I'm not always told how the moons will be because uh, they affect me. So sometimes it's not in my highest and best to kind of know like, oh, wow, this moon's going to be like a nut slapper. But <clears throat> I do have a sense that full mooning cancer for some of us can be very difficult. So um, just be open to the depth that you may be asked to drop into. And um, of course, that is right around where we turn into Capricorn. So there's a lot of shifts and changes happening. We'll talk all about Capricorn and the devil card at our next monthly medicine. Um, so yeah, that's what I have for you. So build your cocoon be in that space, be in that sacred, delicious, beautiful space. Do the work that you've been avoiding. That is actually what will get you to a space of the knowing of where you're going next. That's actually what creates it, not bypassing the deep inner work, but letting the deep inner work actually be the journey that gets us to where we want to go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please, um, follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul or Wild Soul Healing, which is me. I'm Lindsay Mack. It's been a joy to be with you. Um, if you like this podcast, um, it's freely offered. One way that you can thank us is by leaving a nice five-star review or just clicking five stars on iTunes. It helps. It makes us look better. It makes me look more professional. <laughs> it's a nice thing. Um, and we're also on Spotify. So you can listen to that um, on Spotify. You can get access to the whole catalog. Uh, I'm so excited to go into my cocoon with all of you this month to journey with all of you through this new content that's going to be shared on the podcast and, um, to be able to, uh, really go deep and I'm excited to see what comes of it. Until then, take beautiful care of yourselves, and I'll talk to all of you soon. Bye.